Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show with the host whose ego is getting so big his forehead is now turning into a five head. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is Thursday night. The Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly broadcast dedicated to the pipe-smoking hobbyist. Hey, I hope you all enjoyed that show last week. That was a lot of fun. Had a great time. I even had to listen to myself again on uh, Oli's podcast, so if you didn't check that out, make sure and check that out. That was a lot of fun to do. So today in uh, Pipe Parts going to talk about tobacco taxes, the evil, evil taxation that happens on all tobacco products, try to give you guys an understanding of how prices come about. My guest, Doctor of Pipes, Southern Gentleman, Linwood Hines, will talk about the uh, core, the Conclave of Richmond Pipe Smokers Club and their show. Got mailbag, rant at the end, all the usual favorites. Hey, follow me on Facebook. Anybody see my post from last Sunday when uh, my cab driver from uh, the Orlando Convention Center to the airport was Al Sharpton Sr.? Kind of interesting. (laughs) Always fun stuff that happens out on the road. So let's get this show going. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Thank you to my friends at SmokingPipes.com. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Here we go. This is Internet Radio. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. I have scoured the endless expanse of the universe looking for the perfect pipe, and after years of searching, I have found it right here on Earth. The best pipes in the universe, only at couplejoes.com. Celebrity voices are impersonated. Welcome back. Coming up in just a minute, I'll get Linwood Hines on the phone with me. In the meantime, let's get through pipe parts here and talk about tobacco taxes. This applies to the United States and all of its territories, and the United States only, although it's pretty similar in Canada as well. Here's how the tax structure works on all the tobacco products that we buy. Initially, there is a federal excise tax known as the FET. The FET is money that is paid directly to the federal government. It includes a little bit of money for the State Children's Health Initiative program that started in 2009, and it includes some FDA money in there. But for pipe tobacco, and I may not be exactly correct on this, I believe it's $2.80 per pound of tobacco. If a domestic manufacturer makes a pound of tobacco, they've got to pay the federal government $2.80 for pipe tobacco. If a U.S. importer imports a pound of tobacco, they've got to pay the same federal excise tax of $2.80 per pound. Now, each state has a different tax rate for pipe tobacco, and I'll stay with pipe tobacco only. 
The tax is called an Other Tobacco Products Tax, or OTP. It does vary somewhat differently in a few states, but for most of us it's an OTP tax, which is a percentage of the price of the tobacco into the state. So Brigham is a importer. We bring the tobacco into North Carolina. If we were to sell it to a retailer in Florida, that retailer would be responsible for paying the Florida OTP or the other tobacco products tax. In some states, it's as low as 3%. In North Carolina, it's 10% of the cost of goods into the state. So if the tin of tobacco sells, if the retailer has to pay $10 for it using round numbers, they'd have to turn around and give the state of North Carolina a dollar. In some states, in particular, Florida is 85% of the cost of goods in. New York state's in the 50 to 60% range. So where you see the real high tobacco taxes, those are the states with the really high OTPs. Once the tobacco products are on the retailer's shelves, then they're required to pay or charge a sales tax if there is a sales tax in that state. So let's see if I can run through it real quick for you. The manufacturer has to pay that $2.80 per pound. That's calculated into the cost of goods that we have as a manufacturer or importer have to charge to retailers. The retailer then has to pay the state OTP tax on it. Once that is calculated into the cost of goods and the retailer has to make a profit, and has to turn around and sell that tin of tobacco or that ounce of tobacco or that pouch of tobacco, whatever it is, they have to sell it to you and they have to charge the state sales tax for it. Does that all make sense to you? Now, here's where it gets a little more confusing. If a retailer is in Nebraska and they ship it mail order to somebody in Kansas they are no longer required to pay the OTP tax to the state because that product went back out of the state. On top of that, they don't have to pay the sales tax. So that's why the internet or online retailers are dramatically priced differently or lower than a lot of your brick-and-mortar stores, a lot of the mom-and-pop shops that you walk into. Is this fair? No, but it is the way it is, and it's one of the reasons why companies like Amazon or eBay are fighting a national sales tax or leveling the tax equality field. It's also the reason why several of our mail-order companies are able to sell tobacco products cheaper than the brick-and-mortar store. Now, I will get a little political here because... Here's how I see it. The importer or the manufacturer has to pay the tax. On top of that, they have to pay payroll taxes for the people that work for them. On top of that, if they're lucky enough to make some money, now they have to pay income tax on the money that they've made. Now, they ship that product off to a retailer or a wholesaler. That wholesaler or retailer now has to pay 
rent or they have to pay payroll taxes for their staff. And if they're lucky enough to make money, they have to pay taxes out of those profits. And then when they sell it to you, they have to take that tax or that cost of goods and they have to charge a sales tax to it. So now you've got a tax being paid on a product and if you profit or if you have people that work for you, you pay a tax. And that happens again. And that happens again. So now you have a tax on top of a tax and you're charged a tax and then you have another tax to the point where you're suck me sideways. Paying actually very little for the tobacco products and paying a whole bunch of taxes on top of taxes. Let's go a little bit further into some unfair situations. The state of Florida in particular has a very large cigar lobby. The state of Florida lobbied heavily to keep a zero tax on cigars. That cigar lobby was able to keep a zero tax on cigars. So cigar smokers don't pay a tax on an OTP tax on, in the state of Florida. In California, the OTP tax on Pipes on pipe tobacco, cigars, and loose chewing tobacco is a calculation of the cigarette tax. So deep down in there, when people are voting in California about raising the cigarette tax, that calculation affects every other tobacco product in the state, and very few people actually know that it will raise all tobacco product taxes when all they're stating is cigarettes. Several states, the cigar groups have been very active and done a very good job of putting in what's called a cap, a cap of a percentage up to 50 cents or a dollar per cigar. That's because the cigar lobby is very active and they get in front of their state legislatures, who a lot of those members also smoke cigars, and want this cap. So it's an unfair tax advantage for them because a $10 cigar, instead of being a percentage of that cigar, is purely 50 cents or a dollar, whatever the cigar cap is. So that's my take on taxes. I wanted to try and explain it for those that may not understand it. In Canada, it's very similar. There's a federal tax and then there's provincial taxes, and those are all calculations on per gram basis. Same thing in many of the European countries, and the tax rates are dramatically higher. I do know that in Ontario, uh, in the province of Ontario, a 50-gram tin of a Dunhill pipe tobacco retails for a minimum of $28 to $29, and that is the same cost of goods into the country. It's just the federal taxes in Canada and the provincial taxes. So keep an eye on the taxes. Hope you all understood that. If you didn't, play the podcast back and listen to it over again. Got any questions, let me know. I know it's a lot to think about and it's a little confusing. But hey, let's get to some fun stuff in just a minute. Linwood Hines. Hey, this is Dave McKay from 99.5 WQIK Tampa Bay's Country Station, and you're listening to The Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at SmokingPipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. 
But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. Please welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show the definition of a Southern gentleman, doctor of pipes, founding member of the Conclave of Richmond Pipe Smokers, former president of the club and organizer of the Richmond Pipe Show, Linwood Hines. Linwood, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. I hope you're doing well today. It's always fun on a Thursday night. Uh, Linwood, first tell us, when did you start smoking a pipe? Gosh, I was hoping you wouldn't ask these uh, very hard questions. I think I started smoking a pipe at um, age two. Um, My father smoked a pipe, and the earliest remembrances I have of uh, my life, unless I just dreamed it, was... uh, of my father smoking pipes, sitting in the big overstuffed easy chair, so to speak, and in uh, the humble abode. And after the hard day at work, just his meditation, so to speak, in smoking his pipe. Do you remember what tobacco he smoked? Different ones, yes. Um, not at that particular time, because, you know, I couldn't read at that point. It was a few months before I could understand what the label said but uh no it was uh he smoked uh half and half carter hall um a few of those i don't think he ever that i know of uh, had any of what we call the fancy tobaccos um if it was in a tin it was in a one pound tin you know that sort of thing my grandmother his mother worked at a distributor of tobacco goods and and candies in Norfolk, Virginia. And I'm sure he got through her, you know, quantities of this and that and tried a lot of different things. But those are my earliest remembrances of pipe smoking. And um, despite the fact that some people may say, oh, that was secondhand smoke and da-da-da-da-da, it has probably driven a vision of my life since then. But I don't remember what happened before Ridge 2. When did you actually uh, purchase your own pipe? At uh, age 16, from the well-known tobacco shop called People's Drugstore. <laughs> and uh, believe it or not, it was a Kaywoody. My father, who had passed away when I was 13, um, had a bunch of pipes, and I tried some of them with some of the leftover tobacco. And I saw in his tobacco and pipe cabinet, which I'm looking at right now that's in my office, um, that was custom-made by a friend of his at a fancy mahogany. 
um, there was a K. Woody catalog, and I remembered him spending much time looking through that K. Woody catalog, and I would assume dreaming. And uh, the late 50s K. Woody catalogs were just, you know, something. You've seen them before. And I found a shape that was so cool. Didn't know much about the models other than, you know, the ones in the front were, we knew were expensive and the ones in the back weren't so expensive. But I fell in love with an Oompal, and I actually custom ordered it from the People's Drugstore. And it took about three weeks of my paper route money to pay for it. And it took, oh, I don't know, a month or something like that to come in. But in the meantime, I... uh of course, behind my mom's back and out in the woods and things like that, would smoke some of my father's pipes, some of which were nice K. Woody's, but most of them were Dr. Graybo's. So I kind of started learning on that. So your first pipe was a special order. Now let's fast forward because you and I have talked numerous times. I know in the 70s and 80s you were working part-time at a couple of Richmond-area pipe shops. You want to talk about some of those pipes that you got to see? Oh, golly. Um, well, if you worked in a tobacco shop in the 70s, I started in the late 70s and worked uh, part-time only at tobacco shops for roughly 18 years. Um, there were a lot of nifty, really nice pipes that happened in the 70s, and of course the some people will say it was in the dec- pipe smoking was in decline in the 70s, but it changed. First of all, because there was a new generation with totally new minds, and the Danish freehand was a big thing. So you had a lot of people that were younger than their dads and granddads that smoked their group two, group three size pipes and smoked, uh, you know, Prince Albert, Sir Walter Raleigh and half and half and Edgeworth in them. Uh, You had this total upsurge across the nation of malls being built and tobacco shops being put in malls. It was, it was quite a time. Would the, uh, would the Lane Limited rep be bringing in Prebin Holmes at that point or Ben Wade Freehands? Absolutely. Um, the sh- shop that I went to work for, which was a tinderbox uh, outside of Richmond in a big mall, um, free hands went out of the door like crazy. Uh, the upscale to that was, believe it or not, upscale, were Cheritons. Now, the wild young people were smoking free hands um, like Preben Holmes and, and Ben Wade freehands, um, the Danish style, the wild pipes. But the older upscale mindset wasn't necessarily from our shops um, going for the the classic billiard. They were kind of going for the conservative freehand, if you will, of which Cheriton did a good job, Cheriton Pipes did a good job of filling that need. 
we sold a lot of Cheritons out of that shop. Now, would the sales rep come in with trays full of pipes and you'd actually hand pick through them, or would you order them by category or by price range? Both. Both. Um, we got to sell, and, and I don't know why, Richmond. It, it just so happened that we had enough interest. And then you, you do a little bit of marketing to people, which um, I was a little bit familiar with, but it kind of took off to where, okay, a dozen Cheritons come in, for example, and we had certain customers. Well, I worked typically on a Tuesday night, which was one of the deadest nights in the world in a mall. So I'd get on the phone and call, you know, John Doe um, and say, hey, we got some Cheritons in. I know you like this such and such, so come on in the shop. Well, our shop in a year and a half, did oh over sixty thousand dollars in Cheritons alone. What was the average uh, price range back then? Um, probably, and let's see. I think the selecteds went for like two hundred or two fifty, um, and and most that went out were specials and and. Uh, executives you know so they they were priced under that i think by size the biggest of the specials or the distinctions would go for 175 so that's selling a lot of pipes on top of that we sold sassinis all of the freehands um camoys Sassini's went out of the shop, and the Sassini Four Dots went out of the shop at like $65, $75, according to size, like nothing. You know, we sold a lot of pipes, and therefore a lot of pipe tobacco. And that's how I met Peter Stockaby, Herman Lane, Hilda Jones, who owned the shop, which is, if, if you ever knew Hilda, um, that was something. That was probably quite the character. It would have been somewhat like um, meeting and spending time with uh, Groucho Marx and Henry Kissinger mixed. (laughs) Okay? With that level of intelligence, that level of of business sense, and that level of honoriness. Okay? We're going to take a break right now, but when we come back, we're going to fast forward to the beginning of the core show and the conclave of Richmond pipe smokers. So hang on with us. We'll be right back. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. This is Internet Radio. We are back. Linwood, doctor of pipes, Linwood Hines, is still on the phone with me. Linwood, you're working part-time in the store. Now it's the early 80s. Let's talk about the beginning of the conclave of Richmond pipe smokers. How did the club start? Well, um, I mentioned the owner of the store, 
and uh, we would end up with so many people in the store, particularly older people, that would um, spend a little too much time in front of the counters. And, uh, again, Tuesday nights were dead in the malls, but we'd end up with mm, two dozen people (laughs) in the little tinderbox, which was a very small store. And the owner came in one time. Um, Of course, I was having a good time because all these people were in there and, you know, we were smoking tobacco and telling jokes and things like that. And I just had a grand old time and I was getting paid for it. Um, But the owner came in and, you know, said some sort of expletives and said, what are all these people doing here? And and, uh, somebody comes up with, we're having a club meeting. She said, well, that's what you need to do. You need to form a pipe smokers club. Just get the hell out of my store unless you're buying something. (laughs) And she was serious, you know. Um, So, you know, that idea kind of formed, and like anybody that wants to start an enthusiast club, it's really pretty simple, and it snowballs. And all you have to do is, is... Put up a notice and chew the fat at at whatever shop, you know, tobacco shop or online nowadays. My gosh, think about that. You don't have to leave your easy chair. You can do that online, and you can get people from a certain area to form a pipe smokers club. The hardest thing nowadays, of course, is to find a place to meet. But if there's a will, there's a way. So we did all of that, if there's a will, there's a way, and we were lucky enough to have a uh, mutual enthusiast that was a radio announcer here in Richmond, Um, quite a gentleman, and he would announce that we're going to have a pipe smokers club meeting, and of course the place that I had set up and so forth and so on. So it it was announced on the radio for oh, a few weeks before the initial meeting. And what went on at the initial meetings? It, um, mainly it was a whole lot of, holy shit, where did all these people come from? <laughs> Pardon my Latin. Um, we had, oh, I want to say 60-some people at that first meeting of all walks of life, of all ages, you know, people in three-piece suits and people in dungarees and their boots were full of dirt. Um, it was wonderful. And and some were customers of our shop and some people had never heard of our shop. So, you know, it wasn't all from one particular area. We had Mearsham people. We had freehand people. We had old codgers in their... You know, their little old pipes smoking that were back to the the old tobaccos and all that. And people bringing in stuff like you wouldn't believe. Um, I happened to work then for um, Philip Morris USA. And one of the people that came to our first meeting was the person that was in charge of public relations for the Richmond area. Quite a well-educated man one of those in the three-piece suit and so forth. And he just blew me away, and he said, why don't you have meetings for a while at Philip Morris? I'll set it up for you, and you can announce it on the radio and, you know, 
so forth. So for the first six months, we had an open place where people could come into a cafeteria and eat beforehand and so forth. And, of course, you could smoke there. And we had the executive conference room. And it got to the point where it was overwhelming. (laughs) And uh, then the policies changed and so forth because it'd be 100 people coming in there. So they kind of got tired of us because the meetings were at night, of course. Because I worked part-time and had to work on Saturday, we couldn't have meetings on Saturday. And you didn't have meetings on Sunday back then because, you know, everybody went to church. So it it just grew from there. Um, when did the first uh, when did the first pipe show start? The first one was Columbus Day weekend, nineteen eighty five, and that was an idea that we started about six months after we started the club, and we thought we could get the tobacco shops to sponsor that and. We started calling places, a few of us calling places and seeing what we could do and how much it would cost. And you go, oh, geez, I can't believe something, you know, cost that much. But we actually found a place and it had a uh, unbelievable turnout. We advertised it at tobacco shops for oh, roughly a 150-mile diameter of Richmond um, and through the Pipe Smokers Ephemeris, which was in a publication that was edited and published by a gentleman named Tom Dunn. The neat thing about the show, other than it being the first and and just over overwhelming who showed up and who displayed um, collections and that sort of thing, was this guy walks in and he's speaking Italian. <laughs> and we named, he found out his name was Figlioli Alberto from Bologna, Italy, and he could speak a little English. Well, come to find out, he was familiar with Richmond. He had friends in Richmond, and I think his sister lived in northern Virginia, so he knew a little English, but he brought the pipes that he made. It wasn't a factory. These were handmade pipes, and you just, gee, many Christmas, you know? I didn't know this went on in the world. You know, pipes are supposed to be made in a factory, and even if they're charitans and freehands, we don't think of individuals doing things. So to me, Alberto was the first custom pipe maker, if you will, and he has been to every one of our the cores, um, expos, except for one I think he missed since 1985 just unbelievable and if i remember right he always does a special commemorative pipe for the show oh absolutely but alberto does that now for i think every show he goes to and probably some that he doesn't um he he's just a tremendous person and uh, we all just love him to death okay i'm getting sentimental here um (laughs) Who else was but, at, who else were was at those first shows? Um, another surprise was a member of the corps who had been messing around with, but we never saw him making pipes, which was a local corps member, John Eels. And apparently, he he turned on the gas and 
made some pipes to show at that show and made quite a name for himself um, making English style shapes with such precision that it was just phenomenal. Um, most of the early shows, other than a few retailers, were people showing their pipe collections. To have an individual pipe maker come was was Alberto or John, the first few. Was there a lot of selling of pipes at those shows, or was it mainly sharing and displaying? Yeah, good point. Mainly displaying and sharing. Um, and there was a little bit of swapping going on, and of course John and Alberto wanted to sell some of the pipes that they made. But um, the retailers would sell pipes and, of course, tobacco because, you know, they're trying to gain customers, and that's part part of the show. And, and, you know, we keep saying the term show. We build our show, if you will, as a pipe smoker's celebration and exposition, mainly because we're very literary and, and uh, you know, more than just the common uh, merchant. <laughs> so um, we were quite literary about it, and we still call it a pipe smoker's celebration and exposition. I want to take a break right there, but can you stay on? And one of the beauties of doing this show over the Internet is there's no time limit, really. But if you can hang on, I want to take a break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about uh, some of the things that uh, people can do to start up their own shows and what you think is coming up in the future. Okay. We'll be back again with Linwood in just a minute. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at Smokingpipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. We are back. Linwood's kind enough to stay with us. We'll uh, squeeze this in, probably give everybody a little extra long show for tonight. Um, Linwood, besides the regular pipe show activities, uh, you guys also annually do a fundraiser auction? We do. We do. And that money typically goes to, not typically, it always goes to a children's related charity. It started off, remember I told you about the disc jockey from the radio station? Yep. He had a, or he developed a fund for children's shoes. One year that Richmond got down to in the winter to five degrees and so forth, and there were fires and so forth. So anyway, he developed a fund, which was unheard of 
back then um, for children's shoes, and that's what we started using the auction for. Because um, he said, if I'm going to announce your expo on the radio for free, you're going to do something for me. There's been a couple of times where you've done where the there's been other charities that money's been raised for, correct? Yes, um, that fund is now part of uh, a fund for the Salvation Army. As well, we have uh, donated some of the funds to Stop Child Abuse Now, which is a very good Richmond organization. Um, this past year, we donated funds to a um, military base children's fund. So that was something new for us, but you get the idea. And in all of that, you can do that at a show or with a club. It gives something back to the community. And it gets the word out there that this is a good bunch of people. And so you get more notice, and then you get more people interested that, hey, I've been smoking a pipe for 30 years. I didn't know this existed, so I'm going to find out. There was also a special pipe in 2001 that I remember seeing auctioned off. It was the Costello. Costello had made a Twin Towers pipe that was two towers, and it was October of 2001, and it was a gorgeous piece of, gorgeous piece of wood. It Uh, was, and and the people from Costello were just blindsided us with that. We could not believe that, and of course those funds went to, to help the people that had been devastated by the. 9-11. The other thing that your show has done in the past is always had a Saturday night event. Uh, You want to briefly touch on some of those Saturday night events? Brian, we've been wanting you to speak at those events for how long now? I've only done it twice. Only twice. (laughs) You know, it's this community, even though it's so large... There are a few leaders and a few um, uh, speakers and so forth that we see, and usually they do their thing. They speak or whatever at the largest show. The Core Expo is the oldest show in the world, continuously running, but not the largest. So it's hard to get people that somebody hasn't already seen or coming up with new things. But yet there's a whole new generation of pipe smokers out there that have never seen these old things and these old people like me and and would be interested. And they're literary. And, and they're, look what blog that Neil Archeron has. First of all, he's, he's well-educated. He's a good writer. He's a damn good writer. Um, look what Kevin is doing with Pipes Magazine. Look what Pipes and Tobacco Magazine is. On Wow, on earth, for such a small segment of the world, you would put out such a fabulous effort, whether it's the printed magazine or the online magazine or a blog. It's a lot of effort, or even a radio show. My gosh. <laughs> It's a lot of effort, as you know, and people are doing this for a very tiny segment of the population. So these new people that are coming in, we want to know about them is the point. Brian, we like you, but, you know, a third time ain't a charm for speaking at the core expo. Um, I don't have anything new to say. (laughs) 
me. I don't. It's all history, you know. We want the future, and these new, younger pipe smokers are the future of the hobby. They're the ones that need to be joining these clubs, forming these clubs, you know, in, in university areas, in in urban areas, in the country, whatever. But there's still a lot of room and, and a lot of nifty, nifty stuff going on for the pipe smoking of the world. If you look at what we see now online in Eastern Europe, my gosh, there are hundreds of thousands of pipe smokers, and they're just coming into all this. Wow, what a world you're coming into as opposed to an old person like me who, you know, saw all of that stuff that happened in the 60s and 70s and 80s and so forth. Kevin's probably down in Florida tapping his feet right now. Uh, Remind everybody, when is the core show? October 11th through 13th, 2013, at the Greater Richmond Convention Center. And we have quite a plan for this show, so, I'm sorry, Expo. (laughs) If you are within a day's drive, there is no reason to not be at the show. Or, if you want to stay away from the show again, I'll be there and I'll have a great time because I got some great deals on some stuff and there was a lot of vendors, lots of fun product to be had. Yeah, and, and a lot of good stuff going on. Um, if, if you've never been to a pipe smoker show, if for nothing, go to it and, and just get your mind blown because a 20,000 ring circus. But the big deal is you go in there and you have vendors that are um, selling all their types of tobaccos. For a small entry fee, you get unbelievable amounts of samples. You get bargains on pipes and tobacco and pipe racks and things like that, and you get to meet some of the most tremendous people on earth. And they're all just really great people. Pipe smokers are the peacemakers and the intellects of the world. And you can smoke the entire time inside the hall. Absolutely. And if you want to learn more about forming your own pipe club, Linwood will be there. He's easy to find. He's usually running in circles. So just catch him on one time around and grab a hold of him. We're going to wrap this up real quick, but before you get away, I want to ask you the Fast Five final questions. Whatever comes okay. to mind as fast as possible, there is no right or wrong answers to these. Are you ready? I'm ready. Favorite pipe? All of them. Favorite tobacco? Mm, I don't want to name certain names. They know who they are, and they're, they're uh, absolute wizards at making tobacco. Favorite place to smoke? Everywhere. And your favorite drink? Coffee. Black coffee. And your favorite thing to do while smoking? Drinking black coffee. <laughs> um, and read and, no, listen to music. Linwood, I want to I thank you for your time. This has been wonderful. Folks, if you haven't been to a show or if you're in Richmond, check out their Facebook page. And uh, the meetings are open to anyone. So stop by and meet the, uh, meet the conclave of Richmond pipe smokers. Please do. And we'll be back in just a minute. Fact. Cup of Joe's has the largest selection of pipes and tobaccos on the web. 
Fact, for over 17 years, Cup of Joe's has maintained the highest standard in customer service. Fact, your thumb is the same length as your nose. Told you, cupofjoes.com. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. We are back. Got a lot to get through in the mailbag, so no fancy intro. Let's get right to it. So, tobacco trivia, the answer to last week's trivia, old lining bowl coating that they used to use was asbestos. It was used by a couple of different pipe makers and companies. Um, this week, trivia, Meerschaum related. Every Meerschaum pipe nowadays has the little screw-in tenon. That's plastic now. What was it made of back in the 1920s and 30s? This is also a good way to date how old a Meerschaum pipe is. What material did they use as the screw-together tenon in the early 1900s, 1920s, 1930s for those Meerschaum pipes? John Seiler, I want to say thank you for uh, being a regular listener and uh, for putting up with our dear friend Bill coming over and... uh, listening and probably smoking some of your tobacco too hey on that uh last week's pipe parts are you a pipe guy or a tobacco guy i listen i didn't mean to upset anybody i didn't mean to push any buttons i was just trying to put the ideas out there whatever you call yourself is fine with me however you enjoy it enjoy your pipes enjoy your tobaccos just as long as you enjoy them i just thought it'd be fun to pose that question out there last week's show really did have a good time with Oli. Oli is just a just a wonderful guy uh if you haven't heard his podcast go check him out make sure and listen to him all when you got time great in-depth interviews uh bob rm bittner great ideas my problem with doing a how to taste is I kind of touched on it briefly on how I taste test, but I'm so narrowed into one or two styles that I can't really give you an effective way to taste test. What I am going to do is I'm going to try to get some time with either Tad Gage or one of our uh, better uh, pipe tobacco reviewers and try to get them to explain how they go through and taste test blends. Uh, on the same note, cellar or smoke, boy, that's really up to you. Um, I don't know what kind of tobaccos you like. I don't know what your taste range are. I think if you, as you practice more and more, you'll get a better idea for whether or not you want to cellar a tobacco or smoke it right away. Lou, I want to thank you for your kind words. Um, boy, every podcast back to back, I don't know if even I could stand listening to myself that long and Kind of feel sorry for your son. Hope he had his own iPod or something to listen to instead of having me in the car with him all the way. I do want to say we've got a whole bunch of guests lined up that we want to try and get on the show. I've been trying to schedule times with folks in in and around my travel schedules and get the shows all lined up so that we touch on every subject and we kind of bounce around for a while. Uh, This show in particular was important to me because 
The Conclave of Richmond Pipe Smokers, they are the longest and oldest running continuous pipe expo in the country, and it is a great show. It's a great time. So once again, make sure and get yourselves out to pipe shows. Get yourself out and form a pipe club. Gather up as pipe guys and get together, sit back and relax and enjoy a bowl together. I want to throw in my two cents on the uh, bowl coatings article that uh, our own uh, Gregory Pease wrote. I prefer the bowl to be coated. I find that it grabs the tobacco, starts a cake going a lot faster, and makes those first five, six, seven bowls easier, and doesn't make my tobacco slip slide around in there. So I prefer my pipes to be coated. Take a look at that article, make sure and post comments on it that's part one i can't wait to see part two on a sad note i will not be able to make it to the st louis pipe show this year i will be in uh, germany i'll be uh, visiting uh, denmark and germany on business for about uh, six days that week so i'll miss out on uh, the st louis pipe show this year to further follow up on my uh, rant of last week Went down to Orlando for the uh, for a little gift show that I was doing. Same convention center, same exhibit hall where we uh, had the IPCPR back in uh, August. And now the Orange County Convention Center has signs up that say uh, tobacco-free campus. But the Orlando airport, really nice park benches sitting out there with ashtrays by them. Great place to sit down and unwind before you... Uh, head inside and go through security we interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin direct via satellite from our on the spot task force this just handed to me justin bieber now has 33.38 million followers on twitter he has just passed lady gaga for the number one spot the pipes magazine radio show has 15,000 weekly downloads. The combined IQ of the Pipes Magazine radio show listeners surpasses the combined IQ of the Justin Bieber followers. And now back to our show. Listen, if you want to know what I'm doing, don't follow me on the Twitter because I don't have a Twitter account or whatever that is, but I do have a Facebook page. You can see everything that I'm doing. You can see what I did last week before I talk about it here on the show. I do want to say it's a great time of the year for me with the DVR and with the TV because uh, two of my favorite shows, White Collar on the USA Network, about the uh, former uh, con artist and working with the FBI, and uh, yes, I do like American Idol. I especially like the audition times, my favorite part of the year. So, great shows. Hey, let's get right into it. Here comes rant time. Cowboy. Cowboy. Well, Let me start this off by saying I got some new killer speakers for the uh, recording studio built here at my office and Boy, that part sounds really good, especially through the subwoofers. Damn, I want to listen to that again. But Anyway, for this rant, it's been a year now. 
the uh, anniversary of me going on the cruise ship was uh, about eight days ago. A one-year anniversary of the voyage of I Can't Smoke Nowhere cruise. Uh, if you remember the rant, well, guess what I found? I found the perfect answer to the rant. So I thought I'd play it for you. I'm going to bring down the Kid Rock and uh, check out uh, this cruise that I want to go on. If you love to smoke, then you know there's no place left in America where you can light up a butt these days. That's why Carnival is proud to offer our new Smokers Cruise. You'll board our luxury liner and be off to, yeah, who cares where you go. The point is, you'll be in international waters where you can smoke 24 hours a day for a full two weeks. <laughs> they let us smoke on the dance floor and all our meals even in the pool. <laughs> I like all the activities. Smoke alarms, cigar races. <laughs> hey, I'm in a babe who smokes unfiltered luckies. <laughs> the Smokers Cruise. Sign up now for regular or menthol. Hey, it's not just a vacation. It's the lung bone. It's my friend. <laughs> Well, if you search around the internet long enough, you'll find a whole bunch of strange things, and I thought that bit was a perfect way to celebrate my uh, one-year uh, anniversary of going on the cruise last January, so hope you enjoyed that. Hey, if you get a chance, leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. That would be much appreciated. Next week in Pipe Parts, I think I'm going to talk about uh, pairing pipe tobacco with uh, different kinds of adult beverages and uh, possibly uh, my favorite, coffee and bourbon. Got a lot of stuff coming up in the weeks ahead. We've got the show planned out uh, fairly far in advance. Uh, got a lot to get through. Hope everybody enjoys it. If you got any ideas, any suggestions, please make sure and post them on the forums. I do read them all and get some good ideas from you guys out there. So want to say thank you for, to all of you for tuning in. Thank you again to smokingpipes.com. With this cold weather, everybody grab a bowl. Keep those uh, hands warm with a nice warm bowl of pipe tobacco. Until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny And to Mayor Michael Bloomberg of New York City, New York, this show has been supersized, especially for you.